Kia ora and welcome to Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Before we start, um, a quick apology. If we go off the rails, it's because we haven't slept. <laughs> We're recording this a couple of hours after the All Blacks have, <laughs> have won their game against Scotland. We've been up all night. Bryn's doing it in Japan, which is even worse. Bring in Bryn Hall at James Parsons in studio as well. Bryn, like, I don't know what your time frame was for that, but I presume you haven't slept at all. Not a lot, lads, to be honest. I think I got up at about, oh, well, we're lucky it was about 11.30 over here, and then um, it was well, finished up at 1.30, 1.45, but then I'm obviously up again at 6.30 for, uh, to see your lovely faces, lads. So oh. looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting into it. Looking forward to talking about the women's, the women's um, Black Ferns, and then obviously the All Blacks, and all the rugby that we watched. If he likes our faces, it shows that his eyes are shot from having no sleep. <laughs> 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 um. He's he's got a he's got a history of all nighters, so I think he'll be alright. <laughs> Both of you picked it um, last weekend. I wasn't so sure, and through twenty minutes of that game, I still wasn't so sure. Um, but it was a timely wow, red card. The way that they got through that, the celebrations afterwards, the feeling in New Zealand, it is a huge moment, James Parsons. Oh, it's massive in the sense for the game of rugby. I think not just the women's game, but. The, the new fans, the new interest, um, the different demographic the game's reaching is really exciting. Um, and, and, you know, it's just about putting things in place now to ride that wave, um, you know, into 2023 and beyond. Uh, the most interesting thing is talking to people that um, I know relatively well and big rugby people, you know, been to World Cup finals in the male game, you know, British and Irish Lions, Tess, and they, a number of them have said to me they've never felt an atmosphere like it. That is the best game of rugby in terms of atmosphere that they've been at and I just thought for the amount of footy they've gone and seen live that was a massive statement for me and it, and it epitomised the whole tournament um, and you know just the way the Black Ferns have gone about their business um, you know they, they, they are all out attack they're all in um, and everything they do off the field and on it and it's just a uh, it's a great advert for the game. And another thing that they do really well is the grit and ability to be able to try and stay in games and they don't shy away from that um, and so, you know, when they, you know, Nawu gets that, um, you know, 78th minute, the last minute uh, line out more defence, the defence, sorry, um, it kind of just showed where they are. They had, they weren't, they weren't scared in that big moment, Nawu, and they probably would have done the preparation through that to be able to do that um, and get that job result. Um, I felt satisfied and just so good and was able, was so happy to be able to have the end of that journey knowing that the Blackfords have won the World Cup and um, I guess there's going to be so many opportunities now and so many more fans in New Zealand and in the world with the brand of rugby that they're playing and the success that they've had in that Rugby World Cup. You, you've got to give it to them in the sense that they tried a lot of things and they didn't always come off, but they, that never yeah. you know, gave them the feeling that they would go into their shells. They just kept going, keep chancing their arm and uh, you, know, you know, probably six times out of ten it comes off, but that, that was... That's how they won the tournament. And they almost put that pressure on England to play a similar style. England went away from their ability to exit long and keep playing out of their territory. They, they almost bought into the hype and the atmosphere of it and, and tried to play their way out of their exit zone as well. So um, you know, not only was it beneficial to them on attack, but it actually put them in good positions defensively. Um, and, and I suppose in terms of what I felt, it was more like... How? This is just such an amazing turnaround. You think about those 30 for 30 documentaries and you know, redemption stories. Like This is 11 months. Mm. 
uh, new yeah. coaching group, a number of new players. They didn't have it all their own way. You know, Mikieli Tu'u is ruled out, one of the better players of the final. You know, up steps McMenamin. Portia Woodman coming off, knocked out, but they've had the ability of someone like Leti Inga to, to come on. And that depth um, is just the most amazing thing. Is like, is, it's almost like next player up. Um, and, the, and they could just, they had belief in themselves. That was, you know, harnessed through, through that coaching group and leadership group. And they just took it, you know, to them, which is, you know, I don't know, I'm just in awe of it and, and, and just full credit to, you know, that whole system. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes that have put a lot of work into that review and making sure they set them up for success. And, and it, yep, the players and the coaching group had to go take those moments. But had that work or the tough questions not been asked, then that, that platform to step onto and, and accelerate their development may not have been there. If that's not Wayne Smith's greatest um, coaching uh, accomplishment, because I think, you know, he's been with the Crusaders and he's been with the All Blacks and obviously teams that obviously um, have played good rugby and a good brand of rugby and are always, all, already made, I guess, as rugby teams. But look, the transformation that he's made in the last 12 months, I was sceptical, very sceptical, you know, did he have enough time to be able to get the job done and change the traits around the game that they wanted to play? So. But for him and his coaching staff to be able to get that job and show that brand of rugby, um, I think it's probably his greatest accomplishment as a coach, I think. I think when you've got players that are just thirsty to learn, and that's what he continually said, like they just want to be better and, and they were just hungry for all the knowledge they could get, whether it was players coming in from the coaching group, from each other. They were just so open in terms of that growth mindset and making themselves better every day that the combination of that and the you know the, the teacher of all teachers and, and Wayne Smith and... Uh, Mike Cron and you know Wes as well. He's uh, Wes Clark. He's he's done a great job, and, and Whitney Hanson as well. It's not just one man. We know that, um, but the whole group and their attitude to you know foster better standards and a higher quality level of footy, um, you know ambitious footy is, has been really impressive. One thing when it comes to the women's game is that NZR cops a lot of flack. You know there has been a lack of investment for a long period of time. We haven't been up with what England and France have been doing as far as domestic play and competitions and pay and all those kind of things. Um, you know you probably couldn't buy the merch and you probably still can't buy the merch. You know to celebrate the team in the same way. There's all sorts of things that they get slammed about the women's game with. But at the end of last year, when this fell apart. And, you know, probably got to say that NZR had a big part in why that fell apart. The way they put it back together, they brought in the GOATs. And I don't like to use that term because I hate that term. But they brought in the GOATs. They brought in Graham Henry, one of the greatest all-time coaches. They brought in Wayne Smith, one of the greatest all-time coaches. They brought in Mike Cron, one of the greatest of all-time coaches. They brought in cultural people. They brought in all sorts of people that turned this around. There was, they understood what needed to be done in 12 months and they understood that there were certain people who could get that done and they went to the well mm. and they have to be congratulated for their commitment to that. Absolutely. As I said, there's a lot of work done behind the scenes to allow the platform for the players to take their opportunity and, um, you know, and I'm sure they acknowledge that. It, it's not to say that um, all is probably forgiven for what they went through. It was obviously really tough times coming out of the back of that review but um, it certainly set them up for success, you know, going into 2023 and beyond for, for the, the women's game of rugby. Mm. Which leads us to the next question. If Wayne Smith did a wonderful job, and I don't want to take it away from the women who achieved it on the field, obviously. We can't just say, hey, this bloke came in and did it. The women on the field are the ones who won that game with his help. Who replaces him? I, I just think you've... Potentially, he, he's got a lot of... IP and knowledge of what the group needs so he potentially becomes part of the panel 
and then you've just got to you know have have a normal applicant process and, and you've just got to run it and you've got to make sure it stays um, true to the environment that's set up right now um, and the players have to be included in that as well because they're showing if they're empowered and they get the right support they can be the very best in the world. Let's go back to the gameplay, Bryn. You mentioned earlier the big play, the clutch play at the end by Jonah Nanwu. I mean, we're going to put that up there with Stephen Donald's kick and, you know, those kind of plays. It was absolutely huge. In the lead-up to that, why would the Black Ferns have thought that that play was on, on their goal line, considering the way that England's Maul had done the business earlier? Oh, it was a massive ballsy call. I think, you know, they had so much success around, I mean, you know, if it was a three, three line out more tries or four line out more tries and being so dominant. But, you know, for hearing Wayne Smith after the, the um, doing some, um, after the game, his press conference, they did about six months work around England and what their triggers and I guess what their cues would have been. And knowing um, Wayne Smith, the professor, he would have had that many clips and showing that um, what that forward pack would have been the cues that they would have had and what their movements were. And so, you know, I could probably imagine, Jib will probably been able to question, um, jump on the back of this but the preparation that they would have done to give the girls the confidence to be able to do that if they're seeing the right pitches and they feel like they can execute that under pressure and do that and do that then i think that that led into this decision of them being able to try and get the ball because look, if you get that wrong you know england probably score a try there and they're not able to get the full weight of the eight being able to push um that line out more and to, for the fact that they had so much success during that um, early part of the first half, um, it was a massive call for them to be able to do it. But look, like you said, should go down and should go down history now. Wound with uh, the likes of Stephen Donald with that play to to win a World Cup, and um, it was an outstanding decision. And um, great to see they got the execution right in the most precious situation in the, in the final. They actually didn't get in too bad a position on all the mall tries that were scored against them. You actually got to credit England with how patient they were, and they rebuilt momentum, and they 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 weren't trying to rush to get over that line. And I just think they thought five metres out, even if we stay down, we haven't stopped them all game. Our, our one opportunity to win this and, and clinch this World Cup is to get up and, and steal it. And it wasn't even the cleanest of lifts, like, but the determination to get that ball out of the hands of England was just so massive. It's like when they did it on slow-mo, it's just like... You could see the like the muscles in the hand, just like like there was just no way she wasn't getting that ball back for her team. And then obviously Murray right in uh, in the spot, and oh, and just seeing what happened out the back, I think um, they started celebrating before the ball was even kicked out. And I was just thinking, geez, kick the ball out first. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I think it was just a decision. Yes, they would have done the prep absolutely, um, but I, I feel like they would have said, if we don't steal this. Um, the, the game will be lost. And it was noticeable that England had been going to the front the previous few lineouts, so they'd become a little predictable in their approach there. Yeah, I mean, similar thing happened last week uh, when the Springboks were trying to win against Ireland as, as they went to the front to Ebenezerbeth and you know, Ireland just stood there and, and took the ball off the top. Same happened in the Barbars game um, this morning. So I, I think it was it was pretty predictable, but even if the throw was just a little bit low, I think you know, the, the, as a hooker, you'd be you'd be gutted because you know if you just got it a bit lower, they wouldn't have been in the contest. But it's almost like it was meant to be. Like it needed that drama, you know, similar drama to the semi-final and um, winning in front of that home crowd. Uh, they they definitely were a sixteenth player that crowd. I, I feel had that game we played somewhere else, you know, it, it might not have been. 
um, as straightforward, but it, just the people, the atmosphere, the vibe, it just brought the best out in this team. It's 16 versus 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's true. That's not fair in the so, best of days, so. but, you know, when you, if you're looking at that, that shows how immense this England team is because I think it was fairly even at 14 v 15, Bryn. Oh, it was, and I think, to be honest, um, you know, they scored two tries early on, and really that red card kind of gave us the opportunity to take a deep breath and then kind of get into our work off that because, look, I thought um, they came out very good early on around the kicking game with Zoe Harrison, you know, putting us in the corner and really questioning us around, are we going to kick it back or are we going to stay to our DNA and run the ball back? And, you know, like we said, it was their DNA and we were running the ball back. And so, um, yeah, look, uh, you feel for the player as well. You feel for the player to be able to, um, to be able to, take a red card in a big game and not having that 20 minutes to be able to then bring back a, uh, bring back on the field. Because a couple of the all-black tries, sorry, the Black Fern tries, was able to to be able to score those tries due to the fact that they were defending one less in the back line. And so, um, but, you know, 30 test matches. And I think I think if they did it at 15, it could have been a different result. So, um, you know, it just shows how, how resilient they were to be able to get it to that point to win a game. But... Um, yeah, I think it kind of did. It definitely did help us um, having 14 playing against 14, and gave us an opportunity to more so kickstart our game after such a such a after such a tough start. If you look at all the tries, they're on the left edge, mm. where the right winger would have been. Mm. Defining factor, but it's one thing. You know, you look at the Springboks French game. It's one thing getting a red card, but exploiting it is another. And the skill set, and the vision, and the option taking, and the relentless nature to keep going to that left left edge, mm. they knew that's where they needed to go, and they just executed it perfectly. So, you know, it doesn't always happen when sometimes when you get a red card, it galvanises a group, and you can't um, find it. But they were just ruthless, like mm. seriously ruthless in their application of pinpointing that right winger and, and her not being there. And it was almost fate because Wayne Smith had been asking for that. We're going to play with width. We're going to play with pace. And it was like the one person who went off, you know, if, if it had been a, an open side flank, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been such a thing, you know. But the Black Ferns are set up for that and they knew, wow, this is our opportunity. Well, that's where their strike weapons are. Yeah. All their strike power is out on the edge. And, 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 and they've got so much class in that midfield. Like Fitzpatrick and Flula, and I know, you know, Flula's probably the, the um, woman of the match, but... Fitzpatrick, man, she's been classed since getting a run in that 12 jersey, I think, in Whangarei, and she just hasn't looked back. And some of her option taking, her offload ability defensively, um, just that midfield was so solid for them and, and provided the opportunities for the edge. We look at Super Rugby Opiki next year. That's played through late February through March. During that time, there are two sevens tournaments in Vancouver and Hong Kong, which means mm. that Opiki <coughs> could lose those superstar players. And what Opiki needs right now is for those superstars to be involved because their profile is up. People know them. They want to watch them. They love them. New Zealand rugby can't afford for those players like Fitzpatrick and Flula and Woodman to not be involved in Opiki next year to make that tournament go to the next level. Oh, we've got to stay true to the the pathway we've given to sevens as well. Like that, that is going to be the next crop of talent coming through, and, and I think it'll just be down to player choice. Like if, if a player wants to go to Hong Kong, and um, they want to do the Hamilton and, and Sydney legs, then um, you know that's their prerogative. They shouldn't feel the pressure that they're holding up the whole comp. I, I feel like the depth that's been created and the IP that's going back into the hubs now, uh, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with the depth that we see at Opiki. Mm. Um, and and I, I don't think it is, like, absolutely, if they can be there from a promotional um, aspect, then, you know, fantastic. But if they're not there, I don't think it, um, you know, harnesses the, the 
the presence of women's rugby off the back of this mm. World Cup. But from a straight bums on seats perspective, potentially, uh, but, but no name versus Porsche Woodman is bums on seats, you know. But don't you feel like the fan was different? Like they weren't going there for individuals, or pe they were going there for the feeling and 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 what the atmosphere was created. It wasn't about the superstar. It wasn't about. Uh, this is my perception mm. of it. I feel like people just went there. I almost liken it to like a concert. You, you go there and you're going there for pure entertainment. If the result goes your way, beauty. If not, you know, everyone's still smiling. Even the Black Ferns, if they lose, I still feel that they wouldn't be, you know, down and out like, you know, everything's over sort of thing. So I, I just feel like the, the, the market may be a little bit different than we expect mm. um, and, and what we see in the male game. It sounds more like a big bash crowd in Australia than you know a, a traditional rugby crowd in New Zealand but for, for the long term future of the game, for people to buy in for a long time the players need to be at the fore don't they? Yeah, oh, look, absolutely and I think it just should be a decision um, because they may have goals they want to achieve um, you know, back to back Olympic medals, um, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a fair amount on in the sevens programme as well, so um, it will be interesting, and uh, don't get me wrong, they are very critical um, for, for you know, developing other players and, and the tournament, but if they're not there, I, I don't think it'll, it'll fall over. We've got Bryn back in a new background after a couple of Wi-Fi calamities. Welcome <laughs> back, uh, Bryn. There is going to be a Women's Football World Cup in New Zealand, which is a ginormous tournament in the global sporting calendar next year. New Zealand rugby probably needs to capitalise on what they've done before that happens so the young girls aren't going, no, I want to be a footballer. Um, is it imperative, from your point of view, that the Black Ferns play Opiki over sevens? Oh, it kind of depends on the girls want, personally, you know. I think it's important that, you know, the, the sevens avenue that you're able to go out there and be able to uh, play that kind of game, which is really successful and being able to play that competition, but I think it's important for old picky and being able to have um, the opportunity to play that as well. Absolutely. Now, before we move on to the men's game, big congratulations from us to the Black Ferns. You've done a tremendous mm. job. Uh, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you play again really, really soon. So, moving on to the All Blacks v Scotland this morning. They almost did it again. Uh, there was 60-odd minutes of not much before they pulled through in the end. Oh, I think it's across the whole weekend is discipline. It just if you don't get your discipline right, you put yourself in such a compromising position. We're test match right? and, and you know if you look at the World Cup that's just been like it's the close nature that brought the excitement and the intensity. And if, if you look at the one that's coming up in the male, man, there's some you know Italy beating Aussie, you know Scotland pushing the All Blacks. It's, there's just no guarantee across all these games. Wales were down and out, and then they, do you know what I mean? Like. And all the issues, if you look at all the all the teams that lost is and and that were pushed further than they probably should have, is in the All Blacks, is around that discipline yeah. and just keeping on the right side of the ref. Some of the calls I I got frustrated with at scrum time because they were like they were winning, the All Blacks were winning the hit. Well, it's so much momentum. If if the opposition pulls back, of course you're going to you know like I don't know like. Credit to Scotland, it was a good tactic and, and they got um, the upper hand from, from the referee but those sorts of things were frustrating they, and probably out of their control because um, it's pretty hard to hit and stop um, without the force coming back towards you. Um, but other than that, you know, I think Sam Whitelock summed it up afterwards, you know, they weren't happy but the two areas that were outstanding was firstly the breakdown, defensive breakdown, they were outstanding. The, the, the loose forward trio were... Saved like Scotland should have been up more at halftime. 
Um, and a lot of those turnovers on the line from, from the three Lucys were, was massive. Um, but good grit, determination. Mark Talia, what a, what a way to welcome Test Match footy. And I think it holds them in good stead leading to next year that they had the ability when they were behind, the pressure came on. The last two weeks is probably the first time we've seen in a long time that the bench made that impact. And it's that last 20 minutes, going back to the, sort of the 2011 to 2015 era where the last 20 minutes the All Blacks were able to run, a, run over the top of teams. And against Wales and Scotland, the bench did exactly that. That was your man Cody Taylor. was superb. The good teams that we've had in the past, it's that last 20, 25 minutes we've been able to bring on impacts and been able to, I guess, change the game tempo-wise or being able to have an influence on the game. And so, you know, they've been able to do it. You know, the likes of having TJ Perinara in that kind of moment as well, his experience in those moments, being able to be there, you know, it's always beneficial for that group. Um, but, yeah, I think for Scotland, man, you just think again, um, one that got away because, um, for, you know, you have to say for 60 minutes of that match, bar the first two tries from the All Blacks, they dictated terms. And I think, obviously, with the ill-discipline that Jip alluded to, that was a big factor of us not being able to, um, you know, gain momentum and have it out all our own way. But you've got to commend the All Blacks scramble defence and in big moments uh, being able to stop those tries. Look, Stuart Hogg should have had two tries, but some great defence from Caleb Clark who got caught out obviously in that in that move, the set, set phase, phase move um, early on. Um, but then he should have had a couple of tries and they should have been up a lot more. And if Artie Severe seriously doesn't get that 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 steal in the last uh, play before half time. Could have been a much different oh. result going into halftime. So you've got to come in the All Black scramble defence and been able to hold them out because, look, Scotland threw a lot of punches at us. And to be honest, should have had a lot more points in. Um, we found a way and credited it together to be able to get that result. But, um, yeah, if you're Scotland, um, you're thinking another one that's got away and, and probably should have won that game. I say it time and time again just off the back of the Irish series, but Ireland were just ruthless when they got penalties. They just kicked to the corner and they just kept coming at us. And I felt like Wales took the three, you know, Scotland. I'm not saying that was the making or breaking, but I feel like you've got to come in with that attitude like we're going, we're going to win this game, we're going to take it away from you, you're not going to have a chance, you're not going to have a sniff, you're not going to have the ability to have a good 20 minutes and come back. Nine points off the boot um, from Russell after the break is great, but it just kept the All Blacks in touch mentally and, and, and it was just enough to, to make them feel that they're still in that reaching, you know, touching distance, I suppose. If they kick to the corner, it doesn't work. The one thing I learned out of that Irish series is that when they didn't score, they sapped so much energy. Mm -hmm. And then so on the flip side of the ball, when, they, when the All Blacks were trying to attack, it wasn't as um, you know, fluid as, as what you'd expect. For the All Blacks, I think the line-out more, I don't think they've let in a more try since Jason Ryan's actually been in there. So um, it's a great weapon that we have at the moment. But then I think the ill-discipline as well and, and the breakdown. Um, you know, if we don't get there right, it seems like if you don't get the breakdown right with the All Blacks, um, it seems to be the Achilles here where you can keep them in test match. Other teams can be able to build pressure, score points, and put them in tricky situations. But, um, yeah, I think, again, it's just going to be an improvement that you've got to get right in, in these big test matches. And so no doubt the, the review will be in around their breakdown and getting that right. And I guess the discipline as well. You can't give away, even when I was looking at it, you know, it's 13 penalties within the first, like, you know, 60 minutes. There's still, still 20 minutes to go. So, you know, once they rectify that and get that right, then they give themselves opportunities to be able to score points and not give them opportunities like they did in that, in that Scottish in the first 60 minutes. One thing I noticed, and they've clearly made a change since Brody got red carded um, and obviously serving two-match ban, is when they're late to a clean or they've overrun a little bit, they're back into that crocodile roll, Bryn. Um, I think yeah. Whitelock got penalised for, obviously he got one wrong around the neck, um, but that it's, it's 
I just think it's it's good coaching to see that they've they're not saying okay just keep cleaning out like aimlessly there's been a you know a shift in terms of what's been coached to get them if they're late on a clean or they've run past it was just to get that crocodile roll back into it but it's a fine line with that as well if you get anywhere near the neck and the head so yeah well Peter Steff did toy I'm not sure what he was looking at doing but he got into that position as well didn't he where he just cleaned him out I feel for him a little bit because he got bumped by Delende and and like he gets hit pretty hard um, and bumps him off his direction um, but in, in this current climate unfortunately like Barnes um, was always going to have to give a read it's just mm. it just wouldn't be seen any other way um, I, I honestly don't think there was any intent I know there's a lot of people trying to imply that but he's never had a card in international rugby before um, he's he, he clearly gets sideswiped by his, um, his own teammate which changes his direction completely yeah yeah and then there you go red card in the game <laughs> yeah, well, man, they fought hard though. Like uh, the one thing, you know, similar to when they beat the All Blacks, um, we kicked long, and the the French kicked long, and they 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 almost that plays that their run meters were what, almost double the French because they run up to the line, their back three can have a chance, then they'll go to their contestable king game. It really suits. Um, so if you're playing um, South Africa, I think you want to put the long kicking game away and, and really focus on those attacking kicks and or playing really deep behind the line to drag out their defence, uh, their rush D. Uh, but the French, um, you know, they're not playing well at the moment, but they're winning, which makes them more of a dangerous threat. I don't, I don't think they've um, performed as well as they'd like, um, but again, similar to the Black Ferns, I think being at home is an added advantage and they get right in behind it and it just keeps them in the fight. Because I thought the Springboks played well, mm. especially with how early that red card, I, I thought they performed really well and probably should have won. When <laughs> I'm going to go there, I think I'm almost as obsessed with Rassi as Rassi <laughs> is with criticising the refs. Like, I'm completely obsessed with Rassi criticising the refs. Uh, obviously, a huge moment in that game. Uh, before we move back to talking about Mark Talia, because I know you guys really want to get some yeah, harbour yeah. in here. Um, huge moment in that game. Five minutes to go. The French burrowing forward. Uh, Sapili Falatea goes in what looks at first like a double movement. Wayne Barnes calls it a try. He has all sorts of problems with the comms um, upstairs and he can't really talk to them. But the replays showed that the knees didn't touch the ground. Were you happy with that call? Initially I wasn't. I'm not going to lie because it looked like a double movement. I was like, he's literally had a second go there. But when it, and it was quite handy that it was up on Twitter and you could rewind it. Um, to right point and I, I could not see the knee touch the ground um, mm. it's almost if anything simultaneous as he's moving forward then the knee touches um, so you just got to you know his, his on field decision was, was correct in terms of um, you know having the ability to look at it over and over but initially it did not look like a try to me it definitely looked like a double movement uh, and Bryn, my mate Rassi, yeah. he then goes on Twitter and starts having a crack. You know, <laughs> that night he put up a video about a bunch of other things. Then today he's been talking about it again, about how, you know, a pretty sarcastic message about Wayne Barnes and his team and, you know, trying to make it seem like there's some sort of conspiracy against the Springbok. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's, it's become laughable. Like, it's almost Donald Trump proportions <laughs> of misinformation going out there to dog whistle his fans and have a crack at world rugby. At what point does someone need to step in about this? Because no one else is doing it. No one else obviously sees it as a, a good way of, you know, acting when you have an official setup to make these complaints if you need to. Yeah, look, I think, I think you know, he's probably walking on a, a bit of eggshells, I think, to be honest, because um, the more that he does do that and the more, you know, it's on. It's going to be on our show, it's going to be on other, other platforms we talked about and then world rugby obviously going to be able to see that. I think... It is, a, it is a style, but for me, it's like, you know, there's so many situations that happen in rugby games, right? You know, that, but at the same time, players will be accountable in thinking that, like, we shouldn't have let it get to that point where a big decision like that is made. You know, whether they had a red card or not, you don't, you know, you know, as players, you're in control and you don't really let the, um, you can only control what you can control. You can't control the ref. And so it's yourself that if you lose a game, it's on your merits. It's not on a refing decision. But I think what Rassi does, though, it takes the pressure off his playing group been able to have all those words, been able to put things out like you talk about on Twitter, videos, and take the pressure off the playing group. But I think for me personally, you know, um, with what the call was, so like at the first one I first saw, I agree with Jip. I thought it was a double movement, but then when he saw it again, it was simultaneous, and it was the benefit of the doubt of what was called from Wayne Barnes, if anything. And you agree with, and I agree with that. So, um, yeah, I think if he keeps going the way he's going, I think, you know, World Rugby are probably going to have a, another word with him. Absolutely. I just want to point out as well, while Rugby Pass is owned, does own, is owned by World Rugby, I'll say that again, <laughs> while Rugby Pass is owned <laughs> by World Rugby, I saw comments during the week about how, you know, we could be biased because of this. We have never had a phone call from World Rugby telling us what to say. We've never had a phone call from New Zealand Rugby telling us what to say. We say what we want. Um, so before the conspiracy theorists get out there, we just have our honestly held opinions <laughs> and we talk about them. Um, so let's go back to Mark Talaire. Yes. What a great... I don't think anyone questioned that he'd be a good Test Rugby player, but what an incredible start. Yeah, but you get what you put in, and by that, there is no player, I feel, that works harder off the ball than Mark. Um, He is just second to none in terms of putting himself in a position to make a difference within team systems. He's not selfish. He doesn't break the system. He puts himself where he can be within his role in the team, whether that's holding width, whether that's hovering around a breakdown, whether it's defensively getting up, whatever it is, the reason why the guy finds himself in the spotlight time and time again is his work ethic. And he he is just relentless. And it was of no surprise that he performed the way he did um, on debut. And, you know, he's really put his hand up. He's been doing it for a number of years now at Super Rugby level. He's been doing it for multiple years at NPC level um, and he might be just peaking at the right time to slip into the World Cup squad. You know, the biggest thing that I was wondering in that match because at Bunnings NPC and even at, um, at Super Rugby, he's had that ability to be able to beat players one-on-one whether it be deceptively with his strength or being able to use his footwork and I was wondering at test level you know, that's where you really test yourself and you can see if you have those similar traits as you go up the ladder. And look, he was exactly the same that he's been the last three or four years at Bunnings NBC and at Super Rugby. And so, you know, if you can do that time and time again at the international stage, I think you're right, Jip. If he continues to keep doing that, um, there's no wonder that in 2023 he might not be involved in that um, that 30-man or 32-man 
World Cup squad because um, in this game, the ability to be able to get over the advantage line in tricky situations when it's two on two or it's you know you've got people around you, he's got the be able he's got the ability to be able to slip through, get over the advantage line, and it's going to be great moving forward because we know how important the advantage line and being able to tack off that. And Mark gives you that, and along with his work ethic, like you talked around, Joe, is second to none. Will Jordan's obviously the top right winger in the country, and that you know is unlikely to change over the next year. But if you look at the pecking order behind, having seen what Mark Tillet has done, his body of work over a couple of seasons, and now in his Test debut, do you think that he has jumped Sevu Reese for the next right winger? Not yet. No. no? I, I think it would be great to see him um, play this weekend um, against a bigger. Um, um, opposition, not no disrespect to Scotland, but obviously playing England at Twickenham is a huge test match, and, and if he can, and the other thing is, is they might not have done as much research on him as that. You know, footage is available, but they may not have seen his style of play. So the one thing I do know at international rugby, once you, you you're unknown for probably one game, and mm. then then the the archive footage will be coming out, and there'll be plans around stopping exactly what Bryn was talking about. So um, I, I think he's in the race. Um, and it will, it's, it's even enough to say the, the form player will probably get picked close to that World Cup squad. Kane Hames was talking about, this is when the All Blacks were down, you know, should you be choosing not your top team considering the way that world rugby is so even now? You can't just throw out a team and expect them to win in Scotland. And he talked about should they be playing the same team all the time at this time of the year? I mean, when you look at back now, They've given, they've won, and they've given guys some game time. But actually, is the right play to continue the consistency? Oh, as consistent as possible. Like there's still a core group that has remained consistent. If you you, you look at Whitelock, um, you know the, the probably the two props, uh, Barrett, uh, Savia. So the nucleus is there. You know Dalton's playing some of his best rugby back to back. So I, I don't think there was drastic changes, and I don't think you could ever say the midfield of Harvey and Leonard Brown is um, um, second string. Put it that way. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it is possible with the intensity of Test match level, the length of the seasons. Like we're coming up to the last um, game for these players that have started back in November. Um, you know, like it, it's not feasible to just keep putting out the same team, and also. Um, you want to keep that competition alive. Like that's 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 the edge is having that competition and, and no security in your position. And um, that's what's made the All Blacks great. Bryn, where this is leading to is the Wallabies, because they had 11 changes, some injury enforced as ever. Uh, they've chopped and changed. They've lost to Italy. They missed that kick at the end, 28-27. Dave Rennie has just lost to the 12th place team in the world. One, where does that put Dave Rennie right now? And what does it say about the need for consistent selections in Test Rugby? Yeah, he's in a, in a tough way, isn't he? I think, you know, any time you can lose to an Italian team, and that's right, that's taking that's take nothing away from Itali- um, Italy and the things that they've had the last two weeks, but your expectation of the Wallabies has been able to get that result. And so, um, but we did say, you know, they were given, uh, they have had a lot of injuries and they were going to see a lot of guys were going to get opportunities in this in the series, and you would have thought, you know, if they didn't, you know, they probably should have won a couple of these earlier test matches throughout this Northern Hemisphere tour, but it's probably been highlighted even more with the fact that they did use, lose to Italy, and so the level of consistency is unfortunately the thing that's really hampering the um, the Australians at the moment, and so, um, yeah, it's a tough result. It's probably going to be a hard one to swallow because um, the consistency we have talked about, but the expectation was probably to win that 
win that Italian game, and you know, it's a um, yeah, it would be a tough, probably a tough review, I think, and, and probably tough for Dave Rennie that result. Yeah, and it was still a good side they put out. Um, and look, mm. I'd probably have to apologise in terms of my picks last week. I was quite dismissive and, and just saying, yeah, the Wallabies will win that. But something special is happening with that Italian side. You know, the Samoan side's no easy, you know, team to run over the top, but they put 60 on them. And then to, to have this result, um, I don't know, something special's um, building for them and, and, and their position in the rugby world. They've got a really successful under-20s programme. Um, you know, so they're, they're starting to see um, the fruits from that labour, I suppose. Um, and just the young fullback is just... Re- like, you can't coach pace. Yeah, you just cannot coach pace. Like, he just injects and he's just... He's an absolute live wire. I know he came to the, the scene... Um, you know, last year, but he was he was the difference. Mm. His X Factor was the difference. You're going to love this. He reminds me of Billy Slater. Very similar, yes. Just the way he lurks around behind the yeah. ruck, the way he pounces off people's shoulders, it's, it's Billy Slater. It's that acceleration yeah. as well. It's just, you just, he's there and then he's gone. Like he, he left some fairly talented athletes behind in his dust. Um, mm. And he just plays the game with a smile on his face. You know, you talk about people that work off the ball and put themselves in the right position. He does exactly that. And, um, you know, just what it meant to the Italian side. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for Aussie um, a little bit, um, but I've been on their bandwagon a while and <laughs> I, 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 that, it's concerning, um, the lack of consistency. A lot of it has to do with their high injury toll. I don't know that, man, they just get so many injuries and that causes a lot of change in selection. Uh, they got in the old habit as when you think you're going to score a lot of points, they overplayed and they played from deep. They turned the ball over. Um, they had a lack of kicking game, so they didn't play the um, tactical kicking game as well as they did against the French. <laughs> um, so uh, they've... they've They've only got themselves um, to blame on this occasion. Kieran Crowley's obviously doing a good job over there. Uh, I think one of the cool things about Kieran Crowley is that he's done his time in Italian rugby. He knows Italian rugby. They haven't just brought a coach in from elsewhere. He understands the culture. He understands what the players are about. And he's, they've, he's built up to being their test coach, which Bryn obviously makes a big difference when a coach can come in and understand a culture. When you get a real good grasp on that and a real good understanding, um, it adds to your group. And you probably your group will probably see that as well. And it's empowering for them as well, having a coach that understands what you're like, what your traits are, or what your personality is like, what the city's like, what the country's like. And so, you know, anytime you can get that, I think it just adds to your, your coaching credentials and being able to get the care aspect from the players. And so it seems like he's getting that. And um, look, to be honest, um, getting two results out of this India tour, especially the dominance of the Simon game and then, getting their first result against an Australian team. Um, it sets them, sets them up really nice and hopefully they can keep, continue to keep building, get a good Six Nations campaign and then you know, hopefully who knows what happens at the Rugby World Cup. Now looking forward to this weekend further. England versus New Zealand is obviously the big game. England versus New Zealand at Twickenham is an amazing occasion to be at. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's something different there. It's, it's, it's intimidating the height of the stands and the amount of people. The amount of people. and Swing low. Yes, yeah, swing low, sweet chariot. Uh, England absolutely gave it to Japan. What do we read into that in comparison to where the All Blacks have been going? Oh, I think you could see it in the huddle post the Argentinian game. Owen Farrell brought his um, troops in and he was delivering a hell of a sermon. 
Um, and and I, I thought, man, they're going to be really hard to beat, and they were just ruthless, um, both sides of the ball. Yeah. And I think their their preparation for that week was just to the point, and it started at full time. Um, you know, they were clearly embarrassed losing to um, Argentina at home. Um, they did something about it, um, and they're going to need that and then some this this week because uh, you know we know the All Blacks are. We've probably been targeting this one, and um, you know, few, few rested bodies will come back into the the frame, so um, it's going to be a doozy, mm. including Brody Retallick. A perfect clash to bring Brody Retallick back for Brent. for his hundredth as well. Hundredth, yeah. Oh, it is. You know, you know, definitely with England, the physical side of the game is going to be massive. But I think what I like enjoyed about England on the weekend was the way that they scored their tries, especially in that, in the, 50, the fifty the fifty minutes, the five different tries that they scored. Um, the variety, whether it be their click attack and being able to get off turnover ball, grubbers and Mahara from um, from Farrell, or even uh, you know the strike off for the for the first try as well. The ability that they had at different times, being able to score different points in different ways, was really a good thing that I was um, really impressed with. Because um, you know physically and the kind of line out more and the physicality around the breakdown is really important. But you know the click attack and the, the ability to be able to score tries in different ways was really um, was really positive. And I think they're going to need that against the All Blacks. Those moments of being able to um, score points in different ways, we know that the physical battle is going to be huge and any time they've had success against the All Blacks, it's been able to win that breakdown battle and been able to slow down our ball, but it was really pleasing. It was real positive to see them score tries in different ways, especially in the first 50 minutes of that game against the Japanese. Mm. The All Blacks did something similar, I suppose. The, the kicking game that you talk about, the attacking kicking game, the variety they showed, certainly in the first 20 and the last 20 minutes, was great. <coughs> they, they started well, they finished well. All of the things that they've been criticised over the years for doing, they did right. And so going in against England, with that kind of variety, the direct play, it sets it up quite nicely to see how this style will make a fight. It, it does, and it, in the sense that I think they're a lot um, harder to defend now, that they've got that balance of their attack right in terms of what kicks they use, um, what, when they chance their arm, where they chance their arm. Um, so it's much of a challenge for the opposition as it is for for us to get right but um you know i think that the the moving of geordie to 12 has has been a key difference i think davy havili probably started it um and then by chance through injury geordie got promoted up there and he he executed his role really well um so he'll probably come into that 12 he sort of slipped in there um against scotland as well and he was part of that attacking kick but it just means it's not um one dimensional when you're trying to exit um, and, and then with Bodie at the back, uh, I don't know, it just seems like a really good balance. Um, yeah, I think it had started well with Davey, like you said, Jip, in the early part of the season, but then just by chance, um, you know, when Jordy's been given that opportunity and what he's shown, and I think what's important against an English team is you'd be able to have the physicality, um, being able to get over the contact area, which he can do. He's got a great defensive game. He's very brave and abrasive and he's really dominant in his, in his shot selection, which is great. But then the kicking game, I think, is going to be the most important thing. And he has that he has that ability to be able to do that, whether that be kicking long, crossfield kicks, um, or grubbers in behind, or even little chips that we're seeing from Davey as well. Um, Jordy's got all those skills to be able to do it. So I just think with base how he's gone the last couple of weeks, your currency is your form and, and when you have it. I think Jordy at the moment at 12 um, has got that bit of form behind him, and I think he'll be... Him and Enrique will, will finish off the year in that midfield pairing. So would there be any other changes to what we've seen, as I suppose, over the last month, the top All Blacks team, Bryn? Do you see anything changing? Probably the biggest one, we'll see who will start at hooker. I think the, the battle that Tokiaho and, um, and Taylor are having, um, they're both one and one. They're, you know, there's no one-two punch. I think it's a one-one with those two. So 
whether the selection that goes with that, um, and then maybe um, you know who else would there be? You're bringing in the props as well, the young props of um, Lomax and um, into group to start again. So um, that'd probably be the only difference. I think you've got Frizzell who probably comes back at six. Um, even though Akira actually had a really sure. good game. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> the, the, the president well, of the Akira Yuani fan club's got something to say. I think Frizzell. No, I think Frizzell no, no, just hear me out. You've, you've made assumptions that are incorrect. <laughs> um, I think with Brody coming back, Scott Barrett may slip to six. Oh, right. I didn't see that coming. Yep. Yeah, I, I, yep. I don't know. Like, I think a big body, the way the style England play, um, and also the pressure they put at line-out time, having those three big men mm. on there and, and um, you know, Akira or, or Shannon coming off the bench to, to bring it home. He pulled down as that Stuart Hogg just metres out. He had no right yeah. to get to that. <laughs> He's just in yeah. some form. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about probably a hell of a lot of other players, but in terms of looking at the year, you know, Artie's obviously the front runner to win Player of the Year, but in terms of Scott Barrett and what he's offered, he is right up there with a nomination, if not pushing for it. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Talia on the right wing? Don't know. I th- I'd love to see it, but you know, Sever hasn't done anything wrong to play himself out of a position either. Um, so you'd, well, you'd have yeah. to think they'll, they'll keep Sever there. But I would love to see, just to get a, a better assessment, a, a more fuller assessment of one versus other. Mm. They're very like for like. You know, like mm. Sevu beats players one on one, defensively puts good pressure on, he's good under the high ball, works hard. So, I mean, you're not going to lose anything either way you go. Um, I, I'm probably just being selfish because, um, you know, I'd love to see Mark play. <laughs> it would be a bold call, Bryn, seeing as one was in the main squad and one wasn't. You know, yeah. when you if you pick someone in the main squad and you go to the big test match, surely you've got to show the loyalty to the person who was picked in the main yeah. squad. And Sivers played well. And it's put, you know, I guess question marks around if you, you know, you could start Mark because he has played well. And so your currency is only the way that you're playing. And so he had a great debut. But I think what Sivu does have on his, on his side is the experience. And they'll know what they can get in those kind of moments with Sivu and playing, you know, in those kind of test matches. But again, um, you know, Mark played well. And so no different from any other position. We talk about the hooking roles or even the seven with Sam Kane and Papali when Sam was around, you know, form is always going to be able to question uh, whether you're going to be in the team when Mark's done done no harm in a selection um, to be able to play at 14 or even as a 23 role coming off the bench as well. Just don't know if he can fit that role with Rico at centre. If Rico's at centre, he can cover wings, so you're better off kick, you know, having an Anton Leonard-Brown in terms of the mix. Mm. I think it's a, he either starts or he's not in the 23. Just thinking of the difference between Severis and Mark Talia, and I haven't seen their standing 40s, my main difference is I would think that Mark Talia's got better top-end speed you're asking the wrong bloke. I, that's kind of, that, I'm just trying to find the difference there. I, you know, it feels I know like maybe I, don't, oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I know that Seve is very, very fast over his first 10, 10, 15 metres. But, um, you know, Mark, when he gets into full gear, he goes, um, he's pretty quick as well. Yeah, I'd have to, um, I'll give them a call, Ross, and I'll let you know next week. <laughs> I've both of them. So I'll let you know he's got, he's got a first 10 and a first 40. So I'll let you know next week. How about this? Live on the show next week, they run off for a spot on the All Blacks right wing. We can make this a new reality TV program right here on Aotearoa Rugby. Get some views. Yeah, it would be massive. The hooker role, you you mentioned before that they're both number one. Now, I suppose there was probably a feeling a few weeks ago that, you know, maybe Takiaho brings more off the bench, but I think we saw on the weekend that that's not necessarily the case. So how do you make that call? Well, I think right now, 
I mean, if we go off the last test, having Cody's experience out there was a big part of us winning. Mm. I think Cody and TJ Pedernara's experience, calm mindset, having been there before, knowing um, what strings to pull, um, even conversations with the ref, you know, changing um, the shape of those discussions and, and where he saw things before they came on, um, is, you know, as unfair as it is, sometimes, you know, the bench role is more just as important, if not more important, to bring things home. So maybe the, the, the match-up in styles, because it was great to see Cody running and, mm. and that live-wire attack that we know he's good at, and that is probably better placed off the bench, and, and Takiaho is physical, direct, and he's he's a great um, player to suck the, the gas out of them to for then Cody to take advantage of later in the game. But, I mean, that's off, you know, like, even that test match that Cody started against Wallabies, um, against Wales, uh, it's just horses for courses. It's, uh, but that, I think that experience thing, um, well, it's a big difference, him, mm. and, him and TJ against Scotland. Mm. So that, that sort of sways me towards a, a Takiaho start. I'm going the other way. Oy. Yeah, I'm going the other way. I think the experience and I think bringing the likes of what a Takiyahu can do and his skill set in that last 30 minutes, when, well, you know, 30, 30 or 25 minutes, I think it could be really important in the back end of that game. So, yeah, I'm probably going to, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Cody just for the experience. I guess his form that he's had, a little bit of his form that he's had um, in the last couple of test matches. But that's not to say that Takiyahu hasn't played well. It's just that, like you said, there's just so much great depth around those two and whoever starts and whoever comes off the bench, um, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, that's a selection um, dilemma. Um, but, yeah, I think I'll just go the opposite for Cody's experience and, and biggest. All right, well, we'll finish the Talaire versus uh, Sibu Reese race and then we'll have a throw-off <laughs> who starts at hooker. Um, well, they're both fairly yeah. accurate at the moment. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't miss it this week on our Tauro Rugby Pod. We'll have a chat with NZR. Great. OK, let's get into our predictions for the weekend. Uh, Wales v Georgia. Wales. Wales. Italy v South Africa. South Africa. South Africa, but I think they'll be a bit closer than I reckon than what people think. Here's an interesting one that's pretty tough to pick going on the performance of Argentina on the weekend. Scotland hosting Argentina, Bryn. How does that play out? Oh, man. Oh, that's a flip of the coin. Um, oh man, I couldn't pick it. Just based on, well, but then there's consistency. I'd go. To, I'll go Scotland. Finn Russell starts Scotland. Yeah. If he starts, if he doesn't, I think RG will win. You saw a big difference with Finn Russell. I just think their um, ability to score sevens. He's a big factor in. Um, mm. He's busy. He's always in and around the ball. The one thing I like about it is it, it, it frustrates me when sometimes those the player out the back, which is normally a back. And they've got those three forwards. I know no one can see what I'm drawing here. But <laughs> they've got the three forwards anyway, and they, they run. And he always make even if he's over here, he'll make an effort to get him behind there and play an active role yes. that could potentially manipulate the defence for these three to not run into a brick wall. Biggest frustration is when you see three guys just lined up. It's so predictable. There's no one in behind it, so they can just rush and pick them off one by one. Um, that's what I really liked about um, his ability against the All Blacks. He just was always active, constantly active, constantly a threat. And he, and he drags attention. He drags defenders' attention, which will create space for others. Mm. So if he starts, I think they win. Got another show idea. 
you some pots some salt and pepper shakers <laughs> and a camera. I love it how I'm looking down here and I'm going, you know, you've got these three things. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is Bowden Barrett at I'm the back. I'm an idiot. And, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> we got there. Okay. Uh, Ireland versus Australia, Bryn. Uh, Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. Ireland. Straightforward. Uh, France v Japan seems straightforward, Bryn. France. France. Okay. Sorry, Q. <laughs> that would be 13 wins in a row, I think. And I think they basically, in that time, played every single major test nation, which goes to show the position they're in. Yeah. Heading into a home World Cup. Amazing. Um, okay, the big one. England, New Zealand. Now, <laughs> I know how this is going to go. <laughs> well, you know what we're going to say. Why? Why is the question? Why New Zealand? I just think they've got the balance of the game right. Um, and uh, they've, they've had consistency over a number of weeks now, whereas England probably haven't shown that consistency. Eng England will turn up, don't get me wrong, they, it will be a tight fixture, but I think, they've, I think the All Blacks have got a real confidence about their style and the way they play. Um, the, only th the only area that they'll really want to rectify is, is stopping points. I feel like attacking is in a really good place, set pieces in a really good place, but defensively sometimes we're still getting quite tight and caught out. So if, if they can make sure they make those adjustments, because um, they, they were let off defensively a number of times by Scotland. So, and, and England have shown they can score points and they've got firepower as well. But I just think if, if we can you know, front up up front, which we've shown under Jason Ryan, um, we, we, we should get the victory at Twickenham. But you can't go missing for 60 minutes, Bryn, against England at Twickenham and still win, can you? Oh, you can't. But I think the biggest thing that we've had throughout this whole the whole campaign for us is to be around the breakdown, you know. So, you know, if we don't get there right in England, you know, the last couple of times that they've played us, they've got that right. So um, there'd be a massive emphasis around our breakdown and getting that right. But with our kicking ability that we do have, if we fall into a trap where we can't win that collision area, we do have the ability to be able to go through our kicking game, whether it be through our contestable game that we've seen of nine or ten. Then we've also got the attacking ability of our 12s to be able to put that in behind with attacking kicks, crossfield kicks, and being able to manipulate the backfield and hopefully open up some areas around the field. So... Yeah, I like where our game's at. It's probably a good test for us to, to end the year, and hopefully uh, we can end with, um, with a great result in Twickenham. Well, we were almost at the end of our year too. Next week is our final episode for the year, so we'll have that big result to finish it off. Beautiful. Just a little tidbit for you. 20 years ago, against England, Joan Lomu scored his last test try. Scored a double at Twickenham uh, 20 years ago. So, that makes me strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, crazy, eh? Oh, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> 15-year-old, I was. Yeah, yeah. didn't feel that, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching that. <laughs> so hopefully we see a bit more history this weekend. Yeah. See some more good. I think All Blacks have had three wins in a row in Twickenham, but of course there's revenge out to be had after the World Cup. Yeah. And I, how that went. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So plenty in place for a good game. Thank you very much, Bryn. Once again, see you next week. James Parsons, thank Cheers, you, mate. and we'll catch you all again next week. We'll see what happens. Will it be an All Blacks win? Will it be an England win? It's what we're all waiting to find out in the big test match of next weekend. Catch those games on Sky Sport. See all the analysis on rugbypass.com. A couple of weekends of international rugby to go, but the big one is this weekend, the last game of the All Blacks season as far as Kiwis are concerned. Matewa.
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.